Hi there, my name is Jonathan. I'm the host here at The Venue RX, and our mission is to document and share the best practices for building, owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Our company, Common Sense Events, is a venue management company that consults, manages, and operates venues all over the US. I'm here to share the mindset and methods that have worked for us in the past and are working for us now as we continue to build our venue management company. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider subscribing and sharing this, and let's get to the show. What's up, everyone? My name is Jonathan here, host of the VenueRx podcast. Our passion is documenting and sharing best practices around building, owning, operating, managing world-class wedding venues. And we are uh, on another round of this amazing new series that I am so excited about. It's talking to real venue owners. It's talking to uh, venue owners who are in the trenches, who are operating their businesses and their venues on a day-to-day basis. And we are asking them all the questions. We're talking to them about the process that it takes to get a venue started, what it's like running uh, the day-to-day business, and you know the things that they're working on to make their business and their venue even better. Today, I am joined on the show with Amy Collins from the Collins Off Maine. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. You're listening to the Venue RX podcast. I'm really excited as well. And I just want to shout out right before we even jump into this. Hopefully, by the time that this podcast airs, you are going to have a brand new website. We are. We are That's- going to have a brand new guys it's it's not we are putting a stake in the We're ground put, we will commit to it it's recorded now let's do yeah let's <laughs> let's put it into the future okay we have to release our 2024 dates on october 1st and so i looked at my team i'm like well this is just an extra incentive to make sure we hit our own goals so by october 1st for sure it's 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 launched it's gonna be there i love it well and this podcast will be out uh by then or shortly thereafter Perfect. so i'm really encouraging everyone to go Look at your website because both your website, your I think your current website's very nice and it's transparent, which is something that I love. Um, but you've got a great Instagram as well, some beautiful photos, but you have a very, very interesting origin story and I, I really like to start there. So can you kind of give us a bit of a background? Give us like pre, like a year or two, couple years pre Amy owning a venue and then give me like current day, where are you at? And that, yeah. that whole process. I, so I never thought I would be a venue owner, to be honest, and transparent. That was not a part of the path. Um, I have been in the wedding industry for 21 years this year uh, as primarily a wedding planner slash event designer. Um, I like to joke that I have been in, in I'm like an OG year, I feel like at this point. Um, you know, I'm pre-Pinterest era. I you, you just have to go to a bridal show to book us. Um, we uh like lived in the age where like cell phones were coming out, smartphones weren't even in existence yet. Um, so it was just such a different world of weddings compared to where we're at now. And um I I also joke like it's just it's, it also didn't always pay the bills back then. You know what I mean? Like it's a different industry now. It's, um, it's very elevated. There is, uh, such a design focus. I personally have, um, didn't do this full time when I first got in, but it just didn't pay the bills. And so I was in IT security. So my background and then actually financial. So I had owned a financial services firm. I have a very strong background in finance and money, um, which really gave me a really strong foundation to run a business. So I tell people, I'm like, my craft and trade and passion is events and whatnot, but I'm really good at 
like money and management and process and all that came by way of corporate America and owning, you know, that kind of world. So, um, but it is, it's just a different mindset. And I think I was always a little afraid when you're a female in like a STEM field, like, and then to say like, oh, I'm a wedding planner. Like, it's almost like you feel like you're selling out. That's like the best way I can say it. Like, wait, you're going to leave like a STEM field that's so desired as a woman and like go be a designer. I was embarrassed about that, to be honest. It was, it was different, difficult for me to own that and say like, no, I'm a designer. I like this. I, I'm, I, I'm okay being a creative. And I think now the industry has like embraced creatives and I'm so excited to be in this, this world that we're in than the one we were in 20 years ago. Um, I'll also say the brides think they know a lot about weddings now, um, which is great, but also sometimes like terrible. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm finding that's a little bit more difficult. They have access to more information. And when they have access to more information, it uh, can be dangerous where we didn't run into this, you know, pre-era of this. It was like, here's my checklist. My, t- my planner said to do this. I will do exactly what they tell me to do. And I and I won't know any different. So it's it's it's... It's two different worlds that we're in now. A lot. And I was going to ask, like, there is definitely that difference of availability of information is insane. And just in, like you said, your career time, you know, it was like the checklist that you got from your coordinator was the holy grail of your whole planning experience. And now people have probably downloaded downloaded three or four different checklists from different corners of the internet. Overwhelm them. Exactly. Right? (laughs) Totally. Totally. So you have this experience in designing your planning weddings as well, correct? Okay. Talk to me about like, what's, what's the shift then? How do you go from designer planner to now? What was that spark that was like, I'm going to open the venue. And also how did it happen at the time that it did? Cause you got to tell, let us, let us know about that. Um, So I have been primarily an event designer based out of Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo. So again, we're like the height, I mean, you're based in California, the height of like design focus and like cool trends. And I mean, oh my goodness, like it, we're in the Mecca of it on the West coast and it's fun and it's exciting and I love it. Um, but we have a, my son, my husband and I have a four-year-old daughter. Our son is a uh, junior at Cal Poly. So he is back in San Luis Obispo. Um, and it works because he got to grow up around cousins, his own age. And so it got to the point where we were like, okay, he's going to college. It's great. But we wanted our daughter to grow up in that same kind of thing and, and be around family. And so my family is over here and all my nieces and nephews are younger and they're over here. And so we made the decision in 2019, actually, to move over this way. And, and again, no, no, like, oh, I own, I own a venue. I'm going to move to Michigan. And like, but that was not it. It's, hi, I'm a, an event designer in Santa Barbara. I did not tell anybody I moved to Michigan. My clients didn't know. My vendors didn't know. I silently moved because I wanted to maintain our brand there. We have a very big firm. I have 12 girls that work on my team out there. We still exist. Um, We still do events out in in the area. And so I needed people to know we could still manage it and do what we do without a hiccup in service. But with that and being a young mom, like, or a mom, the young child, um, traveling is just difficult. And so I tried to actually start to shift into the Michigan market. And I found it difficult, not because design is like, I actually think our floor starts super on trend here and whatnot, but I found our venues difficult sometimes to be inspired by because they were either very old school, traditional banquet halls, um, which is great for a certain group of people. And then there's this very like urban industrial, dark industrial look, which is very cool, very Detroit. 
yeah. um, you know, very auto industry. And here I am coming from California, primarily based in, uh, you know, a very light, bright, airy Santa Barbara. You know, my look and feel is more of that, like Palm Street, just, just more, Boho. it's warm, it's yeah. warm. Yep. It's very warm. It's very like, it's funny now they're turning towards like Bridgerton and I'm like, oh, I've been doing this for a while. This is kind of my look, you know, but when I came here as a, as a designer, I was struggling to find locations that I could emphatically say like, yeah, let's go design here. Or let's go do this. And I was like, that's sad because it's so wanted. They were coming to me during the pitch processing. I want this, this, and this. I'm going, I, I really can't find you that space unless we do a build out, which is, you know, what we primarily do. Um, but it made me sad. And so it was interesting because it all kind of came to a culmination. It was fall, late fall of November. Uh, I think it was November of 2019. And I was um, on a sales call with a potential bride. And she honestly was like the perfect client, right? Like I wanted this one. She had the budget. She liked my design. Like we were jiving. But I was trying to give her options because what she had didn't exist. And so I'm trying to tell her this and you could just tell it was like, she was not getting it. You know what I mean? And it was so hard and it was like an uphill climb and I just get done. And I shut the phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I was just, and my husband was like listening in the other room. He goes, I can't handle it anymore. He's like a very calm, steady individual in my life. And he's like, I can't do it anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I cannot hear you have one more couple conversation and not have them understand what you're talking about. He's like, because, and it was, it's kind of like that joke, like field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. And he's like, if you build a venue, they will come and they will come like you've never seen, but they don't actually know what you're talking about. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And let me, let me clarify Let me clarify. You yeah. had this vision in your head and it was a vision that you were you were selling for like a look of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for like, it was a look for like your, your a look and a feel and a, and a, and a, and a guest experience. Cause okay. really it comes down to my favorite thing to say is your wedding is about you, but it's for your guests. Otherwise a load. And I say that sentence, every single thing and everyone kind of giggles. I'm like, I'm serious. No, yeah, this is so a true. really expensive party that you're putting on for someone. You want them to be obsessed with this party. Like, be at the party. Don't be off taking your, be at the party. You're the host. You know what I mean? So, but a lot of these places aren't designed for the guest experience. It's designed mm. to make them look good in Instagram. And yeah. that's not the goal yeah. as a venue owner. You want a space. And as a planner where you're going to hear from the guests, like this is the best wedding I've ever been to. And, and there's a lot of spaces that just don't lend to that. And I would encourage venue owners to take a step back and for a second and say, what is my guest experience? great. You've got the client happy, but what is your guest experience? Because every one of those guests think about the sphere of influence that they have. Think about how many times they've gone to places. And if you're the best place they have ever been in, you're the only one they're going to think of when someone gets engaged in their life. They're your sales opportunity is your guests. And what we get so many referrals from our guests. Oh, my mom was at a wedding there. Oh, whatever. And they said it was so great. And they said, I had to come talk to you and, and look at your website. And that's where we're at because we are obsessed with the guest experience. So what things go into a guest experience for you? Like if you had to give your top three or five things that your mind immediately goes to when you look at a space or when you were evaluating the space that you were going to get into yes. after your husband yes. was saying like, he can't handle yes. it. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I will tell you, first of all, movement. 
I think movement is one of the most important things in a guest experience. I think a lot of times people come into like one small room and they might like manage it. And it kind of like, you don't, if people are not like standing up and moving around at some point, they get bored. Think about sitting in a hotel or you go into a restaurant and you're expected to sit there for like four or five hours. You're bored. I don't care how good the food is. I don't care how good the alcohol is or the music. Like you need movement. Our brains re-engage with movement. And so creating that movement experience, and I'll talk about that in a second. I think um, being hyper vigilant with your catering requirements is really important. Um, we have open catering and whether you have open catering or not, doesn't matter. It comes down to your service ratios. Our industry for lack of a better term has gotten lazy on industry, um, standards. And so we have open catering. So the only thing I can control as far as how the guests experience our space, a lot of the times comes down to how long was my plate sitting in front of me? How fast can I get my food? And a lot of that has to come with like how many bodies they have servicing the clients. And so when you don't require full service catering and you're, you know, you're letting the food trucks come in or you're, or you're not making, you know, them bust the tables and all these things, your guests are feeling that. Okay. Maybe the couple doesn't want to pay for it, but the guests experience in that. And so that that's really important to make sure that, you know, that kind of thing. So we're, we're really crazy about our, our um, service ratios. And sometimes I'll get some flack from that, from the caterers. And I'll say, listen, I know my venue, it seems smaller when you first walk in here, but it's actually very vast. We have many different locations for guests to walk through. And so there's a lot for you to manage through that process. And so we, we put mandates as far as the guest ratio. So like one to 20 for servers for a buffet, one to 12 for plated. And it's interesting to see how many caterers try to eke those, those numbers out, but we make them sign a contract with us now. So I think again, service industry is huge. And then honestly, giving couple or giving guests different spaces to experience the wedding. So here's the thing. Not everybody drinks and dances. I am, you know, one of those people that, um, I, you know, you'll find me cutting a rug for sure on, uh, the dance floor. Like I'm here for it, but I get the fact that, um, not everybody drinks and dances. My dad is not a drinker nor a dancer. I'm a drinker and a dancer. And so we experience weddings totally differently. The thing about weddings is they are a time where family and friends get a chance to see each other. Sometimes for the first time in 10, 15 years, it is, it is one of those things. If you're sitting in a place where the DJ is having his moment, which, or her moment, which we all know there is a very loud moment for many people during the dance time. And I'm sitting across from a table, like you can't hear. Right. And so people get irritated and then they leave. Right. So you don't want that first of all, because those are the people who are there also many times closest to you, aunts, uncles, or whatever. Um, it was interesting this last week, we had a, a one of our bridesmaids come up to us and said, we love your outdoor space. My grandma has an AFib. And if she's sitting with a DJ in a room, it actually messes up with her heart rhythm. This is the first wedding she's been able to actually stay at and talk to everybody. Wow. And so she's in the space and, and it, it made me tear up because, um, that's exactly why having these places and movement spaces for guests to experience, you know, our venue was so important to us. So for us, we have our, so we have our ceremony location. So from a guest management perspective, the start in ceremony location, a block away, we have our actual reception um, area. 
our location, our main location, uh, we have a cocktail tent. So we have a beautiful cocktail tent. Everyone's in for a cocktail hour. Then they move inside for dinner. Then our main garage door goes up for kind of afterwards. And then I tell the DJs, don't freak out because everybody's going to go outside. Like everybody's going to go outside then enjoy the evening and get a drink at the bar and everything. Um, and then I said, and then they'll come in here for a hard 90 and they kind of like laughing. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like that's how it's going to go. But then, you know, to just have, so we have, um, like a fire pit line in the back we've added. And again, these are not expensive upgrades guys. It's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars that we have, you know, fire pits and these really cool oversized chairs. And one of the most popular places in our entire venue is the fire pit line at the end of the night. So they're all hanging out there. And then we have AstroTurf. So we have AstroTurf lawn where we put all the cocktail tables and low tops. We put all of our lawn games. Um, and again, little things that you can add as a value add. So like we don't make them haul in all their lawn games. We have them on campus. Shocker. It saves a lot of hassle. Um, so we set that up. And then, you know, in our cocktail tent, we have a bunch of lounge areas. And then at nine o'clock or later on, we bring that garage door back down. And then that music, you can hear it, but they're still able to converse outside. So then half the group stays outside the rest of the evening. I mean, literally grandparents stay till the end here. And I am so stinking proud of that. Um, and then, you know, you got your group like, you know, busting up to Lizzo on the dance floor till, you know, the end of the time. So they're getting what they need. You know, other people are getting where they're needs. So not only just the movement and the guest experience with catering, but like also thinking about the intentionality of your location and how can you manage that? And if you just have like one venue with one, one room and you're sitting here listening, going, well, I can't actually do that. You know what I mean? Then, um, it's kind of one of those things where I tell people, I'm like, okay, then think about what you can do. Like maybe you can actually get a decibel reader. And, you know, make sure the decibel is not too high. I mean, I will tell you, most DJs like to push the decibel reader a little too high. You know what I mean? So it's maybe making some intentionality on that kind of stuff. But just being obsessed with the guest experience is, is in my opinion. Because think about it. There's no greater, like, compliment to the couple then afterwards when people are like, you're the wedding that they're talking about, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is the best wedding ever, ever. We had so much fun. And then not just your high school or your college friends that are saying that, but rather like your aunt saying it, your uncle saying it, like all those people that normally would be like, you know, Irish buying out and you don't see them anyway. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yep. they're the ones that actually stay. Totally. So I think that really would made it different. And, and what I couldn't find was any of that, by the way, where I was seeing all of those locations kind of as, as options. So take us into that. How, so yeah. you have this vision in mind of what you want to do now. What was the process? Like, how do you, cause this is really foreign to a lot of people. Like you said, you even had that identity, identity shift. Like I'm not going to mm -hmm. own a venue. So what's the, what did you do? Did you get like a um, like a real estate broker, like what did yeah, you, what was your question. process practically? Um, it was the middle of COVID and, uh, I had a two-year-old who needed to get out and we were stir crazy. And we lived in a little town called Dexter. It's like right outside of Ann Arbor. And there was a cute town like next to it called Chelsea. And that's where we're located. I'd never been here. We're the home of Jiffy, like the cornbread company, like Jiffy. They're right yeah. behind us. Like all the big white stacks. That's Jiffy. Yeah. No they're, it's awesome. <laughs> There's the, like the best neighbors too. They're, they're a factory that shuts down on the weekend and has white stacks. So it's like, can I ask for better neighbors? No, this is fantastic. Um, and so frankly, we just got out and started walking and I, we, we were kind of, I'm like, you know, let's go to this little town called Chelsea. Everyone says it's cute. And we were just walking around 
And there was this building that was so dilapidated. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, like it, it was, it's still on Google. So for anybody that wants to go check out Google and Google the Collins off Main, and you see this hideous parking lot, that is what it was to where it's at now. It's actually kind of a fun little thing, but this building was built in 1890s. It was originally Willie's Overland, like the army Jeeps. And then it turned into a Pontiac and it was a Pontiac dealership till 2007. And then it kind of went into disrepair and it was called the West Side Gym. And I'm about this close to like finally losing that name locally. So we're really excited about this, but it was like your total meathead gym. Like it smelled really nasty. It was disgusting. And the whole building was like decrepit. And so in 2018, um, the actual building owner took it all the way down to the studs um, and then kind of sat on it and had a couple different people interested. So my daughter and I are walking through Chelsea and I'm just like, you guys, and I talk about this on my website, the best way I can describe it is that it's singing to me and I know it sounds weird but like when you're a creative and there's this place that just like speaks to you or you have like this moment with this like location you're like oh I feel peace in my heart like that's what it was but I didn't want to do it because it was like way too expensive it was like way outside of what I wanted to do and I was just like nope not gonna happen so I had reached out to a real estate broker to kind of talk about a different space and I was like I kind of thought of this one in Chelsea too but he's like dude this building owner he he's gonna want you and I'm like no I don't know about this he's probably not gonna convince me here we are two years later um and uh John Dunn chose us and he shouldn't have frankly you know what I mean like we're in a pandemic. We are in Michigan. That was a very shut down state, similar to California. Um, his fellow building owner was like, what are you doing? This is the dumbest tenant you could possibly pick right now. And he's like, trust me, she knows what she's doing. She's got a finance background, but she also is an event planner. I guarantee she's going to make this great. And so I think my other thing is to tell people like lean in on the people that celebrate you and trust you and want to elevate you because John wanted to see me win and he still does. And we are like so close to their family now. Like his kids are basically from my age. We're all like friends and hang out all the time. We are now like one big family. And he took the moment to stop and listen to me. And if you don't own your own venue yet, or you own a, don't own your building, like you have to have that person that wants you to win. And so because of that, when I came to him and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And I had all these crazy ideas. And he looked at me and he's like, what? And I'm like, just, just, can I meet with the architect? And he's like, yeah. So I had the architect sit down and he's like, you want to do what? And I would tell him all these crazy things, but they trusted me and they said, okay, we're going to build it like you want it. And we kept building it out and, and we just kept taking these little steps at a time. And, uh, and we sold it when it was still two by fours. Literally, I was walking people around with hard hat tours and I'm like, okay, here's my vision board. Like you just kind of have to go with me. And they're like, okay, okay. I, I trust you. I don't know if I'd have trusted me. And that's how we got here because through that whole process, the couples like were big, big advocates for us too. You know what I you mean? Know, through that you, process. You mentioned something though, that's huge. And I think it's not just huge for venue owners, but it's huge. If you are in, if you are at all involved at sales on any level at all, you yeah. have to have a high level of belief in, in yeah. what you do. And it, and it, I think it has to, I think it needs to be genuine. It needs to be authentic, but when you have that high level of belief, it actually doesn't matter if you're a good salesperson or not, like a good salesperson, <laughs> you believed so much, or like even what's around you, you believed so much that your belief covered over 
yeah. someone's non-belief or someone's skepticism or someone's right. And so when you walk them through that space and you showed them, you know, I know it just looks like two by fours right now, or I know that these studs, or I know you have a hard hat on, but this place is going to transform. And they felt that from you. And so your belief totally covered their, their doubt or whatever concerns or questions they may have had. And then they had this incredible experience. That's so powerful. I love that. It's, yeah. And I want to play off that a little bit though, because I think sometimes we as creatives and as business owners and entrepreneurs, we can sometimes not take a gut check too. So there's two sides of that, right? Like your couple needs to believe in you. You need to be confident in what you're going to present. Do not overpromise them because yeah. I think too many people overpromise. I think being smart about it, but I think constantly taking those gut checks as a, as an owner and saying like, am I overpriced? Am I, am I right? Am I underpriced? Am I undercutting the market? Like don't undercut the market, please. And there's so many of them that do that too, but am I, am I actually offering the value I'm pitching? You know what I mean? Do the guests get this experience that we're saying happens like to be an owner and constantly take that, that gut check of like, again, the buck falls with you. You own the venue, right? That if it's not happening, drop your pride. I see so much pride. You can be proud of yourself and proud of what you're building. But the minute you put pride in the middle of business ownership is, is danger zone. Well, we don't do that or we don't know. You probably do. Take a step back and say, could we be at fault at this? Could we not be doing this the best that we're doing? Are we choosing the path of least resistance? Because that's what we do as humans, right? We, uh, you know what? They don't need that. They probably do. The couple probably needs that. You maybe don't want to offer it. Is that just because you're tired? I mean, we're all burnt out. You know what I'm talking We are just burnt. But we chose this industry. And that is the most important. I don't care if you're on May 1st or October 31st. Your client better get the same gosh darn experience because that's what they deserve. It's what you sold them and you shouldn't, right. You shouldn't have to sell somebody, right? Like you're saying, like if they trust you and, and you're presenting a, a good solid product, you shouldn't Now You're going to make mistakes. We all do. We make mistakes every single week Own those mistakes, like apologize. But at the same time, I think there's so many excuses sometimes put down, like, like drop the excuses, grow up, take ownership and make a change. You know what I yeah. mean? And Brides want to see it. And they're so uh, caught off, off guard when, you, when you're like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't communicate that well. That was my fault. I apologize. We'll meet you halfway on this situation. And they're like, what? Oh my gosh. You're going to, you know? And so yeah. if there's any I'd encourage owners to do is to do that. The other thing I really think is huge right now. If you are an owner or if you are a venue rep listening to this podcast and your owner's not engaged, they need to be engaged in the process. I truly believe that owner, like involved venue owners is so, like, I don't, I don't do all the work. Are you kidding me? Like I have staff of five full-timers right now downstairs. Like they're doing a lot of, so am I, but like I'm involved. We, mm-hmm. I know what's going on. And I think when we as owners lose a pulse on our business, we're losing a lot. I can tell immediately when I haven't been as involved. I'm not saying I have to do the work, but I have to know what's going on. I have to be the boss. I don't love being the boss, but I have to be the boss. Well, and Amy, I have a question though to ask mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And I want to say this with so much love to all of the venue owners who I know are listening or even watching on YouTube. But 
I feel like sometimes as owners, we are our own worst enemy and we are our business's worst enemy. And so you kind of mentioned that gut check and you kind of mentioned some of that, some of that, um, I, I guess, mindset switch that needs to happen. But what, how do you figure out if you are getting in your own way? Because like a lot of times the venue owners that, that I have had experience with, they want to do stuff because they've always dreamed of it or they want to do it for we them. Do it best. We don't do it best. Yeah. So how, how do you, how do you do, like, how do you kind of gut check yourself and say, is this just me being, you know, wanting to, is this my ego showing through or is this because I'm a real industry expert at this, at my own venue? Uh, I think, first of all, I think that's a great question to ask because I think we're all susceptible of it for sure. Um, I think you have to have a certain amount of ego to even get into business, right? Like yep. if you're lacking that, like you're probably not confident enough to like run it kind of thing. So there's definitely a level of ego that's there. Um, for me, always hire before you think you need to hire. That's my first thing. It's scary. And here's my other thing. Stop 1099 people. Stop. Just stop 1099 people. Put on your big girl panties, big boy panties, whatever, and hire W2. You need something consistent to hand off. If you are the one doing all the work, that is not healthy. If you cannot pass the bus test, if y'all have never heard of the bus test, it's a really important thing in your business. It basically means if you or one of your people get hit by a bus on the way to work, like what happens to your business? And if you have not had that, you need to have it. Now, my big joke, because like I said, I was in financial advising before. Um, I always joke that there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the clients that say, when I die, and there's the couples that say, if I die, or the client that says, if I die, and that one always kind of cracks me up, and it's a lot of Californians, but they're like, <laughs> if I die, I'm like, it's pretty guaranteed someday that's happening. <laughs> when, hopefully later. But I think as business owners, like, don't wait till something tragic happens in your life to prepare. Like, if you want to grow your business, if you want to have a life, like you have to have people help you through this process. You cannot work 80 weddings a year. And if you are, that's not healthy. It's just not. So hire people before it feels safe because you have to get through that hump to have the, the capacity to grow where you need to. So no, you can't do it best. You might know how to do it best. But if you're growing, you can't do it best because you're, you have to look at the next level of your business in order to truly, to truly grow this. And so I would say that now my, my team has not been in this industry 20 years. So yes, I do know best. Okay. Majority of the time, listen to your people though. So one of the things I ask my, I constantly ask my staff, what's going on? How are we doing? I have them on one-on-one. I take them out to lunch. We have conversations. We have coffee. Spend one-on-one time with your staff outside of work, like the, the venue. You know what I mean? They'll talk to you. They want to be a part of the process. They'll feel ownership in the venue when they do that. But they'll tell me, you know, Amy, like, we love you. But like, when you show up for like this bit at the beginning or this bit in the middle, like, it's just throwing it all off because then everyone looks to you for all the answers, but you're not really there. You know what I mean? Like I'm in and out. So I love to call it feather dusting. And um, I'm going to give you guys an analogy. And I think we as business owners do this a little bit too much. We um, feather dust. So if you look at a feather duster, 
And if there's a really dusty piano, for example, and you take one of those little feather dusters and you dust it, you just don't get all the dust off. You just do enough to like do something, but not enough to be effective to like clean this thing to be show ready. Whereas like a microfiber with a little bit of water, like you go in there and you silently do the process and you do it. Our staff are microfibers because they have to be, they have to like show up and the wedding needs to be perfect. And a lot of times as venue owners, we feather dust, we come in, we touch just enough. We're here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm doing this. And maybe you don't even have staff, but that probably means you're really feather dusting the event, which is Mm -hmm. not good either. So be a microfiber team, get people in those seats, doing what they need to do to, to do the job in a way that looks like it's, you know, a beautiful piano ready for a performance and so just we feather dust so no we we may know best but that's a powerful analogy that's a really powerful analogy i might have to steal that and i promise you i'll give you credit um because that's i mean like i'm feather dusting i'm feather dusting then they laugh because it's a safe word to say too right yeah because once your team understands what that means that's their safe word to be like hey ams you're feather dusting right now i'm like and they know you get it Yes, yeah, they know we talk about this. And I give them the authorization to say it in love. Like, Amy, you're feather dusting right now. Can you please not come down here? Because you have some sociological need to like see what's going on. Like, I know I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to walk down, say hello to my vendors, say hello to my bride and groom, give them a couple hugs and walk away. Mm-hmm. So I've had to get myself up. We live on campus. That was not the original intent. We live in one of our bridal suites now, or like we have three apartments we're in the process of building. Um, so normally I wasn't here if I wasn't here, but now I'm like here. So I've had to focus on making sure I get off campus because otherwise I sit there and I'm like, I wonder if they're doing this. I wonder if they're doing that, which is fine, but it's, it's feather dusting. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, let's, let's spend the last little bit of time that we have together um, going through some rapid fire stuff. Cause I want to know some of the, some of the, choices that you made early on and the choices that you are making. I heard you're revamping your website, obviously, as we've shouted out in the beginning. So when you first got started in the business, and let's just go back really quick, you, you bought the building. What, from when you signed a purchase agreement or something like that to when you actually were able to open your doors, accounting for COVID also, what was the timeline there? So first of all, I don't own my building. That was a big thing. I don't ever want to own my building. Trends change. But yep. that being said, uh, when I signed my contract agreement was in uh, May of 2020, the height of COVID. Um, and then we went into construction during the most expensive time you could possibly do in construction. And lack of, don't worry, if anyone talks about like not being able to get anything, I understand you. I hear you. I was there. Um, and then we opened in March of 21. Okay. Um, and the crazy thing was we had two contracts on the books for 21 because everyone was booking into 22 because it was still really scary. Um, We made it through, honestly, the grace of God last year because we were a venue that had outdoor space. So when all the indoor spaces couldn't accommodate because they didn't have the flex space, we were like joking, we should rename ourselves Refuge because people would call us and be like, hi, we're getting kicked out. Can we come next week? I mean, I think our longest planning was like two weeks last year. It was nuts. And so we constantly, uh-huh, yeah. Wow. How are we getting kicked out? We'll be there in How many did you end 21 weddings. That's crazy yes. from two? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's wild. Okay, I, I want to so like- that was that, the, So last year kind of doesn't even exist in our brain. 
but we kept building out, we kept expanding, kept expanding. We were just downstairs and we had outside. Now we have our bridal suites upstairs. Now we have a ceremony location. We have a groom's room and now we're building a guy's bunkhouse. Um, so we have like all the things. And as we've expanded through that process, this year really has been our first real year, I would say. Um, and we are, I think, clocking 62 weddings. I have to look back at the books, but we'll be at 62 weddings this year. Um, and then congratulations amy that's huge yeah thanks it's it's been good social media you know i i'm scared of it and um i don't like it so guess what when i got scary i hired somebody to do it and so callie does all of our social media um here's a little pro tip that i will tell venue owners um that we kind of stumbled on it's honestly like a gold mine we stumbled on Callie is, we have three roles. We have our lead planner, we have our, um, our associate slash media rep, and then we have our venue team. So our venue team is like more of like what most venue owners do is like facility rep. And then we have our planner, but Callie is our associate slash media. So she's kind of like a flex person between like venue stuff. And then she's also goes around and she follows the couple through the day and takes like snaps of their, their wedding, like video and stuff. And then she puts the reels together because it's like really on the back of it. And here's the craziest thing about this. We produce our reels within four days of their wedding. No one's doing that. You guys, their video team is not their photo team is not, they are on a high and now they live for these reels because now they're sitting here like reliving their day And we've given them this gift of something that just honestly we fell into. And so if there's a way for you to flex some, some extra, that's like kind of taking a dual role, right? You've got like your day of, they're there to help their boots on the ground, but they're also capturing this marketing aspect for you as a business owner. And so that's been really cool because she, she's able to do both. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been a really good hire for us because then she produces those reels, which in turn gets them, you know, them tours and gets them. So it's this, like, she's helping on a day, but she's also helping on the the marketing media side. That's, that's huge. That's check out our Instagram. You guys, it's the Collins off main Kelly kills those reels. She does an absolute awful job. And I can, I can attest that looking, checking out your, checking out your Instagram before I was like, dang, they know what they're doing. Um, so do you, for websites, did you build your first, uh, version yourself or did you have someone else? Did you outsource it? Oh, I actually do all of our own website work. Um, just because I have that tech background, I was never scared of it. Um, if you are at all scared of it, like maybe not touch it, but I will also say, I feel like I have so much more creative um, like freedom and like control over our, our process. Um, we have a very specific look and feel that we're trying to go, we're going for. So while Callie produces it, like I'm telling her what I want, you know, as an owner, like this is the bride I want to groom. I want to track. These are the couples I want to track. Like, this is what we're looking for. This is the design structure I want. And so with that, when we're on our website, we're not sitting there like telling a developer, Hey, can you flip this out? Like we're sitting there pulling from our own arsenal going, okay, okay, this looks good. This looks good. I've always used Wix. I know it like, it's a lot of rap, like whatever. I hate WordPress. It's so difficult. And I yeah. like, no, hate it. I hate it. It's very, very yeah. difficult. Wix does a great job with SEO. I have no problems with it. We are now switching to the show it platform. And I will tell you, it took a little while. Okay. Here's the deal. Watch the tutorials. Okay. I'm terrible at watching the tutorials. I spent the day to do it and it helps immensely, what but we're the doing this. Show it, S-H-O-W-I-T. Okay. It is designed for creative. It's designed for our industry. 
So photographers and like the way that they're like, when you go on some of these photographers websites and you're like, Whoa, wow. They're doing, it's a show at platform. I guarantee you. So it is just, it is a, it is a, a platform designed for our industry to showcase. I mean, it's just, I can't even describe it. Go take a look at their, their templates. Um, it's worth every penny. That's what our newest one's going to be. We ended up actually purchasing a template from a designer that's on the show at platform. Okay. We didn't go with their free ones. We, we went with an actual purchase design. Um, and it just, we have an elevated model of who we're going for and you're, your website needs to match that person. And right now we have a good website because it's transparent and it tells them everything. And if there's another thing I can stake in the ground, venue owners stop thinking a lead is a person who's inquiring about a date. That's not a lead. It's an inquiry. And so I don't know about you, but I don't need to be busy emailing back people saying I can tour you this day. And yes, we have this date available, like put it out there. Okay. Who cares if your competition sees it? If you have a fair price point and you give great service, who cares? They're going to shop you anyway. Guess what? It's one of those leads that ghosted you. They're going to find out the details. They are, but to save yourself hassle, put it on your website. It is the number one thing. The number one thing when we tour, people walk in and say, thank you for being transparent. It was so easy to navigate your website. They come in excited because they, they're not like going to be pitched or going to be like, stop doing that to them. I hear about it. They tell me about other venue owners and how they're being treated. Don't do it. Be bigger than that. Think bigger. This is a generation that does not want to be bamboozled. They are so, so like, tell me everything or I don't trust you at all. Yeah. And they know how to find the information. If they can't find the information, it's suspicious. It's not like, let me inquire necessarily. It's like, no, we're good. Probably. Like, I don't like those people. Like they're not telling me anything, Like, trust me, earn their trust from your website. That is your showroom. If you walked in to a a retail store, this is an example I choose on this. If you walked into a retail store and there was no prices on it, on the items, if they had everything behind a glass case and they had no one there right then to open the glass case and tell you how much it is, do you think you're going to buy anything in that store? No, that's how people are acting on your websites. They're coming in, they're not getting any information they're Googling, they're finding out, they're looking at reviews that you have to tell them, just tell them. It's not that hard. If you're out, if they're outside your price point, why would you want them anyways? Marie Folio says it best, repel away the people you do not want to attract, repel them away. I love that you, I love that you track with her. (laughs) She's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm like these people stop venue owners. You're not being that secretive. Yes, seriously. Well, and I have a question about that. So you kind of mentioned a little bit about pricing. You mentioned putting it out there on your website. How do you determine uh, pricing? And then after that, I'm going to ask a question about finances related to marketing. And we can mm-hmm. we'll wrap up with that today. But how did you how did you figure out your price point? And is that something in your mind that's really fluid because you're newer and you're just like, let's find where we are. So we're going to make adjustments as you kind of get that gut feeling. Or how did you go about setting your pricing? I think that's a good question. So we have um, almost tripled our, well, two and a half X our price than we were at last year. Um, Yeah, we set like a model where after 10 weddings have been booked at that number, we increase it because inflation, I talk about inflation all the time, right? In my career, whatever, over the years. And it's hilarious because now inflation is like actually being talked about by everybody. Um, So, and everyone seems to know what it is now, but 
venue owners, if you are touring for 2024 and you have not sat down and done the math of what it's going to cost to run your venue in 2024, you are putting yourself and your client at risk. You're, you have got to be a business owner. You have to sit down. How much is your staff going to cost? How many weddings are you going to take? What is your profit? If you have not gotten into the profit first model, do yourself a really big fat favor and go download the book if you need to. Michael Cosby does a great job. Profit first. Pay yourself first. I don't care if it's 1%. Figure it out. You are not working for free. This is not a hobby. Um, and trust me, nobody wants to book a venue that is a hobbyist because that's scary. Okay. So I work at it from totally a financial model, whereas this is what it's going to cost me. This is where my profit is. Here is our safety mechanism. And here is a 20% inflation buffer plus taxes. Don't forget about taxes, folks. They're terrible. Um, and so I build all of that in. And then I take a look and see where we're at. And then I look and see, you know, I, I mean, I, I factor in damage. I factor in all of these different things of what it costs to run a business. And then I look and I see where we're at. And then I look and see where the market's at. Okay. And then we we're doing some research and whatnot. And then, um, and then from there we'll go, okay, yeah, we're, we're, you know, right at it. We're under it. Our biggest thing is that we offer so much. We're basically all inclusive, but different. Right. So it's like, we offer everything except food and beverage where everyone else that's inclusive, all inclusive is like food and beverage and venue. So we're, this is one thing on our website, our new website, we're really working hard as like, how do we tell a bride? Like, we may look more expensive on paper when you see us. Don't click away. Like, stop. Stop the idea of what you think we are. Here's what we include. And when we go through it, we're about 40% under market value. Yeah. So yep. I like to stay on, like, be fair about your pricing. But I also don't like to run the high end of the market on that. Um, but yet we provide a luxury thing. I want people to walk through here and to be done with the tour and have them be like, okay, wait a minute. This is too good to be true. I'm like, well, you know what? This is where we give you the savings. And this is where, and I look at them, I'm like, trust me, where I pay the highest wages because then we'll attract the highest talent, which is really important to us. And then from there, I'm not going to work for free. <laughs> I'm going to take a salary yeah, <laughs> based on the risk of what I take as a business owner. Yep. Which is a lot. So a huge. Yeah. And then obviously we, we like to run with a huge savings account and and all the things. So, you know, when you just, when you look at that and, and you have your clients be like, this is such a good value. I'm like, yeah, it is. And I take a paycheck and I pay all of our staff at the highest industry. There is nothing more powerful than telling somebody like you're getting all of this value and we're not undercutting our staff. And that's important to them because again, this is a generation that wants fair wages, good work employment, and be that boss, you know what I mean? And, and provide that. And you'll book based on that. They really do. Yeah. They're like, wow, we really, they feel like they're a part of something like bigger. Yeah, totally. Last, <laughs> last question. And I'm, I'm excited to hear this answer because I've, I've loved your perspective on so many things and it's been fascinating. I mean, we almost need to have you we need to we need to have you on the podcast again, honestly, to talk about so many things. Because we could go into detail on all these different areas. But um, I, just aside, the pricing model, like reverse engineering it, and then yeah. understanding what you need based on what the market has to pack, to value pack it, instead of going the other way around, is like, that's such a good strategy. That's because it allows you to fairly price, and you might end up with like a higher price 
than you would think that you would have had, but your value is disproportionate compared to everyone else because you built it that way. And, but, and you also know you're covering costs, right? Yeah. But you like looked at those two You'll things. sleep better at night knowing like, can I, of course you can. You yeah. did the math. Yeah. Do math. Okay. And I hate math. Okay. I yeah. really ironically didn't like math. I was terrible <laughs> at it. But it, you have to like know your numbers and yeah. reverse engineer your goals too as yeah. a business owner. Like if I want 60 weddings, then I have to reverse engineer that too. Like knowing my overhead, knowing my this, like don't be stupid about it too. Like what's, how many weddings do you have to book a year to cover your costs? Yeah. And then are you going to guarantee that amount? If you're not, like you're in danger zone. You know what I mean? Like you really need to think about, do you have a healthy business model? Do you have a model that can succeed? Is the market too saturated? Do you need to add rentals? Do you need to, you know, bring on bigger, better offerings so that you can compete in that space and, and maintain as a business owner? Yeah. Awesome. Amy, last question today. What do you do as far as marketing goes? Do you use uh, platforms? You know, there's obviously Wedding Wire and The Knot. Here comes the guy. There's so many different platforms that um, make their money off of distributing the presence of the venue online. Do you use those? Are you using Google, Facebook, uh, you know, paid ads, mostly free stuff, wedding shows like you mentioned in the beginning? What, what are you doing for marketing? Um, by unpopular opinion, <laughs> um, I don't touch wedding wire and I don't touch any of the paid platforms. Um, <clears throat> I've used them for years and there may be industry like pockets, like, or like locational pockets where it works, but traditionally, um, those are very unqualified leads that come through that. Maybe it'll be one or two, but again, is know your numbers, know where they come from. We invested in Kristen Binford's, um, uh, venue, uh, accelerator program. I'm a graduate of that. It's interesting too, because I went in with so much knowledge of the industry, but I will tell you, I've never owned a venue. And I think again, ego, right. Like I don't, I, I know venues. I can tell you so many things that's wrong with venues. Let me tell you, I've been in them for 20 years, but I don't know how to run a venue. And I think being in that program was so important for me. You know, we, uh, that whole program model of the transparency and all of these things is just a huge thing about Kristen. And, you know, I did my, my research as far as who I wanted to, to put my money behind. Um, don't be afraid to invest in that. Um, I think sometimes owners don't think about coaching uh, in that regard. They're so focused on, I'm going to put myself on the now. I'm going to put myself on wedding wire. Like if you don't have it figured out at the beginning of this platform process, like I don't care if you have 500 leads, if you don't know how to like manage that, then it's, it's kind of stupid. So spend the money, like making sure you set your business up right. And if you already have it there and you're just feeling chaotic, Honestly, you guys, she's worth every penny. So I would highly suggest jumping over to the venue accelerator. She's incredible. So that's a really huge thing. Um, we use Google. Um, <clears throat> I uh, found out well, about Sarah does SEO, S-A-R-A does SEO. So that's through Kristen. Crazy enough, Sarah lives in Battle Creek. That is like 40 minutes from me. She doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to make her be my friend because she seems cool. <laughs> so we Sarah took done. her program. Uh, just a couple months ago. And to be honest, that's what actually made us go, Ooh, we need to redo our website because we just felt like starting right on that was going to be really important to do. So um, we use Google exclusively. Facebook's been huge for us. Do not be scared of Facebook ads. You guys, they convert so well, like so well and make sure you're targeting. Here's a little piece of um, advice, target friends of newly engaged people. 
the vast majority of our leads come in because we ask them. We'd use Calendly for all of our tours. And one of my questions is, is where did you find out about us? And a lot of times it's family and friend. And I'll ask them and they say, oh, they found you guys on Facebook. And my aunt, and she was searching and it just popped up and she sent it to me. I mean, so, so, so many times. So Facebook ads has been absolutely unbelievably good for us. Um, Instagram ads are expensive. Mm-hmm. And frankly, you don't really stand out. So um, do you feel like though, because I know <laughs> with Facebook, not as many, there's, I think, a, a, a an idea that maybe Facebook doesn't have as many younger users because they are using Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat maybe or whatever. And yeah. obviously they're using them for different things, but do you feel like people who are getting married are on Facebook? <laughs> they will join Facebook to get on the brides groups. Hmm. Very interesting. So they may have a plat, but you know, it's funny. They don't use Facebook. They Mm -hmm. don't, but their aunts and their grandmas and their, you know, 40 year old aunts do, but, and we, and we find them the things and send it to them. So no, but those are the researcher age and they're on Facebook and they're looking and the mamas look. Okay. And that's really funny is that the moms like us because we take care of everything and the brides and grooms like us because we're cool. And so it's like the greatest thing ever because their mom sends them like 50 links and like, Ugh. and then they look at it like, Ooh, this actually works. And the moms are like, I found the venue. And they're all like really <laughs> proud of themselves. But I will also say brides will reactivate their Facebook accounts during that period to jump into these Facebook groups to find out a lot of that. Um, Instagram is definitely more of a curation situation where it's like, you know what I mean? They're going through it. Um, TikTok. Ooh, I, I'm <laughs> follow along. I'm about to jump into the world of TikTok. Um, uh, Callie has gotten on my case. She's like, you're an expert. You know what you're doing in this industry. Um, there's a lot of really bad advice on TikTok. Yeah. I think the brides need to hear your advice. So we need to get you on there. So uh, we're going to tell you, I can come back in probably six months and I can tell you what that looks like. But um, I read a crazy kind of a little scary um statistic that this newest generation of kids that are, they're a little young right now from engagement perspective, but they're coming again, prepare for the bride in five years, guys, um, and groom in five years, but, um, they are not using Google. They are using TikTok as their search engine. Whew, that makes me scared. Like that's really like, it's like, remember Wikipedia couldn't be like a reference site. Now we're literally saying Google's not a referenceable site, but TikTok is. So being a late adapter hurts you. So be an early adapter. And so we are going to, and we're even behind on TikTok. So um, we're going to try it and see how it works, but they are searching TikTok like they are with other ones. Um, And then Pinterest, we are, Pinterest is a unpaid platform guys. And very, and for those of you who don't know, Pinterest is a search engine. The rest of them are social media. So um, Pinterest, Google, they, they are operating under the same SEO model. Um, whereas Facebook and Instagram, those are a social media platforms. So it helps your SEO to have Pinterest. And so that's a big focus this year is taking all this collateral that we have gotten and then using it to shove back to our website. So uh, don't be afraid to use Pinterest either. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. I love your energy. I love your story. And I'm really excited for you and like the incredible progress that you've made. And I'm excited to continue tracking with you. And I hope everyone has an opportunity to come and and look at your Instagram and look at your new website as it's launched. And uh, I'm excited to possibly hear you at Wedding MBA here. Yeah, I'm on on stage for tours uh, on Wednesday. 
Thursday. So come check it out. It's apparently supposed to be a pretty big group yep. uh, that we're speaking to. So I get to speak on tours. So I'm excited. I'm Very excited cool. to meet all of you. So come say hi. Yep. And, and if, if anyone wants to find you, uh, what's the best place to connect with you if they you know, want to send you a quick message, something they saw on this show or something like that? How, how yeah. So uh, you can always send us an email at hello at the Collins.co, but I'm sure as most of you know, as many owners, it's a little crazy. Um, honestly, LinkedIn, if you're a business owner, uh, you can find me on there. Um, Amy Collins, I'm going to be Amy Ackerman Collins on there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's business related or if you have like a question, like that's probably the best platform to do that on just during at least the season, because <laughs> cool. it's a little like, Oh gosh, my email. Just keeps... <laughs> yep. However, I will say I, our email accidentally shut off like two days ago or like last week. It's this whole thing. I didn't realize the host situation long story short, but my email didn't work for two and a half days in the middle of the season. Oh yeah. Big moment. And I was like, it turned back on. I was like, fills up. I was like, oh, I've never been so happy to have a full <laughs> inbox in my life. And it's like, gosh, it's weird to be grateful about weird things sometimes. <laughs> so full true. Inbox when your host has been shut off for two days is an oddly gratifying experience. So <laughs> you're like, I can catch up. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I love a full inbox. I hear love that dinging noise right now. Yep. Yep. I, I know the feeling. Cool. Well, Amy, thank you again so much. Uh, and thank you to our listeners, everyone who's listening. And whether you're uh, on podcast or on our YouTube channel, I am really grateful you're checking in with this. Please check out Amy and we'll see you all in the next video. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads. We're not really looking to do that, but we do want to grow the show. And so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.